2: He is getting a one-year deal, guaranteed $3.1 million, uh, and he could make as much as $6.25 million. But what it means is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will return all 22 starters from their Super Bowl team. They are the, uh, I think, only team in the last 20 years to do that.
0: Yeah, Um you know, I don't know if it's a full reinventing of himself, but six million total, three guaranteed for what he was or where he was exactly what a year and a half, two years ago. Um, good for him, I guess. I mean, like I said, I don't know if we would have ever predicted it when he was uh, being arrested and screaming at people at his house and truck drivers. So he's come back. He's got himself a ring. Now he's got himself a new deal. Um, you know, it's, uh, I guess, for, I guess for him, he's done well for himself to uh, kind of overcome some of the issues he had. Or at least, on pay, you know, on, on outwardly, it seems like he's overcome some stuff.
2: John Gruden and Mike Mayock have to be so mad about this, right?
0: Oh, they, yeah. He's got
2: a ring and he's producing. Yeah. Like, he's good. He's, he's basically what they yeah. thought they yeah. were getting when they traded for him. Yes. But he blew up here, had to be suspended for, what was it, eight games or something like that. But now, yeah, he's still good, and he's won a Super Bowl. Like, it, it's gotta be if you're the, if you're Gruden, man, I gotta be furious because you made a good trade for a good, talented sure. wide receiver. It just blew up in your face. Next question. I was expecting more. Sorry, guys. Gerard Gallant has been uh, hired as woo! Team Canada's head yeah, coach. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Do we have, is it? Is it, uh, I don't want to do this on the spot, I feel bad. Is there any Gallant sound from any of the crazy questions people asked him or no? Give me a couple seconds. Okay. I,
2: I, I do I, have to say, have to I'm disappointed that an NHL team didn't hire him because I want Gerard Gallant yeah. coaching in T-Mobile Arena against the Golden Knights. That would be way more fun than him coaching Team Canada.
0: I'll guess, I'll tell you what. And good for him that he's loyal. Boy, any job he gets, Mike Kelly's right with him because he's on the staff for the Canadians. <laughs> is he? Is he really? I mean, <laughs> yes. I mean, good for him. Look, I'm all for loyalty. Good for He Takes care of his guys. But it's always funny when you see him get any job. The next, the next they mentioned is Mike Kelly. All
1: right, <laughs> we're gonna go with a uh, we're gonna go with a classic
0: here. Okay.
2: Third period, you started Mark Stone on defense.
0: Um, was there a particular reason? I know you're on the power play, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not gonna play him on defense. If we're on the power play, yeah, we got four or
1: fours. Nothing. Okay. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> you know what? You know what that was. That was what people and and you look. It's it, that's fine. We were a non-hockey market. It was a very niche market, but you expected almost more questions like that when they first got here because if you hadn't followed hockey on a daily basis, and I'm sure he was expecting that. I never asked him that. Like, I think he came into this market expecting, okay, there's going to be some weird questions because it's not a hockey market. That one fit right in perfectly. That was year, what? That that was that was year two, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. Yeah, I don't know who was... asked it. I have no idea who asked it, and we shouldn't was... say. I'm not gonna. I'm not calling yeah. it that. But I'm just saying. I think that's probably something that he expected. Maybe not in year two, but definitely right away when you come
2: into a non-Harvey market.
1: I think you're wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. Canada border restriction may last into the NHL playoffs. So right now. NHL players that travel from the US into Canada would have to quarantine for seven days. If that continues long enough, it would obviously interfere with the NHL playoffs. Once they get to the final four, a Canadian team will have to play an American team and there would have to be travel between the borders if the Canadian team is going to have home games. So if this restriction is still in place, like if you're the NHL, do you simply make the winner of the North division just play fake home games in the United States?
0: Well, if the restrictions are in place, you can't play 2-2-1-1-1, which is what they say they're going to do. That's impossible. You can't keep going back and forth. But uh, apparently uh, the NHL is negotiating with the Canadian government to try to give a kind of special dispensation to travel back and forth. If they don't get that, and it's in Canada, so it's probably you know, 50-50 they could get that, flip the coin. It is in Canada. Yeah, I mean, I guess you would, let's say it's Toronto and the Knights in the semis. I would assume what do you go to do you go to buffalo do you go as close as you can that you know to where you're at to make the knights go which you know i mean i feel bad for toronto that they're not in the home rink but you'd have to find somewhere probably in the east to put them uh you know you don't want to put it in the west where the knights don't have bad travel i mean you can't make it that advantageous so yeah it's too bad but they want the full playoff so it's going to be one or the other they're going to come here or the government's going to okay it in Canada. My guess is they come here, I can't believe the go- the government's going to say, "Well, it's, you know, it's on for everyone else, but we're going to let the hockey teams go in and out."
2: Yeah, like that like they already have a special exception because I think most people have to quarantine for 14 days and NHL players only have to quarantine for 7. So, maybe they can get that exception. Maybe by the time we get to the Final 4, they've lifted that restriction altogether. Uh but Canada's not exactly um, progressing quickly in terms of vaccinating their population so I don't know exactly how this plays out but they do have some time because they don't have to worry about it until the final four but it'll be fascinating to see because they've gotten away pretty much the entire season hey the Canadian teams will just play the Canadian teams but eventually one of those teams has to play an American team and it could be a real problem. Next question. Texas Tech hired Talvin Hester to be an assistant coach. Talvin Hester was hired to be an assistant coach at Colorado State on April 15th. Less than two weeks later, he's gone to Texas Tech. Texas Tech really loves to raid uh, Mountain West coaches who just got hired a week ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the immediacy, he went for the money because I think Colorado State's going to be better next year and maybe for the next two years, so... He, I think he actually went to a team that isn't going to be as good as Colorado State next year, but obviously I don't know the differences, but I absolutely guarantee you with everything I have, he's making more money at Texas Tech. So that could be it too. You're going to the Big 12, you, a lot of times you'll have a much better job to jump to a head job coming off a Big 12 team instead of a Mountain West team. So it has to be money. I don't look. I don't know Tevin, Talvin Esther. Is he, is he from Lubbock? That's all the Chris Beer thing. He might be going home <laughs> like everyone's always going home. There's not one coach in America who doesn't go home, it appears. Um, if he's not going home, then it's money because why would you leave a job 15 days later?
2: Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it has to be money. and Which is it, fine. You know, fine. It makes a lot of sense um, for that to happen. So... Let's see. Try to figure out where Talvin Hester is from. As a student athlete, he competed at Dallas Christian College. Oh, there you go. There you go. So he's, he's from Texas. Texas. Okay. But that's a uh, – I don't know. That It's a big state. So being from Dallas or going to school in Dallas well, isn't anywhere close to going to Lubbock.
0: Texas is great because no matter where you go, you're three hours away in any direction. It's huge. Are we calling that great? Or are we calling that – Well, no, I mean, it's it's, convenient. Well, it's always good to plan your trips because you always know how long you'll be driving. Fair enough.
2: I'm out. The Chicago team that beat Mountain Ridge from Vegas in the 2014 Little League World Series was using ineligible players, (laughs) and they have now been stripped of their U.S. championship. They did lose in the actual final to South Korea. But they basically, they were knowingly using players from outside their district or outside their region. Uh, And it was determined they they knew they were using those players, so they have been stripped of their U.S. championship. And that makes the Mountain Ridge Little League World Series team from 2014 the best in the United States. Yeah. Um, I covered this for the paper. Easily top five things I've ever covered.
0: I thought the Little League World Series was cool covering that team. Um, This was funny because... Uh, not funny, but in February 15, they stripped him and they sent Mountain Ridge the banner. But the weird part about it was it literally ri- arrived in like a yellow envelope. Like it was like a piece of mail. Like Mountain Ridge officials would tell me they opened it. No note of congratulations, no even instructions on what to do with it. So they just got the banner and the, cha- and the U.S. championship. Um, and Ashton Cave, the manager, who's, again, one of the best people I've ever covered, he was he was so realistic about it at that point said, we don't want it. They beat us. He agreed with me. And then the best thing that would have ever happened at the little league world series, you have a list of past champions. It's all listed. And in 2014 and cave agreed with me, it should say vacant because then every time someone looks at that, you say, well, what happened there? Well, this team cheated. Don't cheat. And I don't think I talked to Austin Krizak yesterday, the Kitty on who was the star of that team. They've always said, you know what? We lost the game in the field. It is what it is, whatever. We had a great experience. But it is nice seven years later that Chicago said, yes, we did have kids from 50 miles away from the region. And it was it was actually kids from three different travel teams. And most of them weren't anywhere near the region that qualified. So seven years later, they've admitted to the fact
2: I got to say, I appreciate the hustle because I absolutely would be the person that would try to figure out a way to get kids from all over different regions to come play for my team. No doubt about it. So I appreciate the hustle from this Chicago team.
1: I have been saying this since we found out Ed Graney was teaching people on second how to steal signs. The two We need a press box-like sponsored Little League team. They'll never learn to bunt, but apparently that's not a big deal. Tyler's going to go scout some kids up at Elko, and he will <laughs> teach them how to steal signs. That's
2: crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Christian Pulisic became the first American man to score in the Champions League semifinals yesterday. He scored for Chelsea. They ended up drawing with Real Madrid 1-1 in the first leg of their Champions League semifinal. So they'll play again on Wednesday next week in or in uh, London. Uh, but today, Man City and PSG. You nervous, Ed? Uh, I'm nervous. So when will I check the score? Three. It starts at noon. I'll check
0: at three on Google. Uh, so I'm very excited to see Man City win the game against PSG and, and really put pressure on Jared's other three teams to get something done here before I walk away with a uh, – Jimmy John's number four,
2: no no lettuce. <laughs> Jared, he's already giving us his order. I think he's I think he's a little optimistic he's going to win I mean, here. At least
1: he's confident. I, everything's gravy for me, which I will be ordering, you know, probably just copious amounts of, even though it won't go with the meal because I will be ringing up that outlet cart. But as long boy. as Tyler is paying, I'm happy. <laughs>
2: oh, boy. What a terrible bet! Whose idea was this? It was yours. No, I don't think so. I don't pay attention to soccer. I never would have suggested (laughs) such a thing. All right.
1: The best part is you were so confident that you didn't think that it would wind up being the two idiots that beat you. It's
2: ridiculous. It's not fair. All right, (laughs) we're giving away a haircut to Floyd ninety nine cuts and color. Winner will get a haircut, hot lather neck shave, shoulder massage, plus a free massage shampoo. It's $29 value. can be yours free from Floyd's 99 Cuts and Color. Caller number three, 702-364-1100. 702-364-1100 is the number if you'd like to win a free haircut.
1: Internet detectives that love to look at stuff in slow-mo. And, uh, you know, it's like, did you look at the last 20 at-bats, like, did you play at live speed? Did he see a sign? Like, honestly, I think it's ridiculous.
3: It's the Press
0: Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and
2: 100.9 FM. We've been, it feels like we've been waiting two weeks for this game. The Golden Knights play the Colorado Avalanche tonight, T-Mobile Arena. Um... Trying to figure out who's actually going to be healthy for the Golden Knights. Riley Smith and Keegan Kolasar were deemed game-time decisions yesterday by Pete DeBoer. Tomas Nosek and Nick Waugh are both likely out, but expected to be back for the uh, postseason starts. Uh, so, trying to figure out who's healthy. Golden Knights, or excuse me, the Avalanche aren't going to have their goalie in Philip Grubauer or Miko Rantanen. Um, how, how much have we taken away from this? Like, in terms of a... a playoff preview given that neither team is fully healthy i think grubauer is the biggest deal i mean i look because goalies
0: matter so much in the playoffs i don't i mean whoever wins tonight i would think the knights have a big edge tonight just because of that so if they win it's great for them because they're up six and what do you got nine ten eleven i don't know how many are left like in the ten range at that point they're real now they do play minnesota and they get you know they play colorado again in st louis so they're kind of done it seems with the bad teams where the Avalanche then go to the so-called bad teams in that division. But I think six is going to be hard to catch. So I think it's used for the Golden Knights. Um, but until it's goalie against goalie in the playoffs, I, I'm i going to walk out. of I'm going tonight. No matter what the score is tonight, I think you got to walk out of there saying, okay, it could be much different when the playoffs, if they play each other. That's the other thing. If Colorado goes against Minnesota, that's not a gimme, right? It's not, it's not yeah. like they're going to just waltz through Minnesota. So if they would face each other, I don't know if tonight means anything, to tell you the truth.
2: I will, I will tell you this. The Golden Knights, if they win tonight, the division race is over. Uh, they are currently four yes, points Yes, I agree up. with that. Yes. They're currently four yeah. points up on Colorado. If they win tonight, they'd be up six. Colorado would still have a game in hand. But if they win tonight, they're six points clear, eight games left for, for Vegas, nine okay. for Colorado. And the, the the one issue for the Golden Knights is they do have to play two games at Minnesota and one more home game with Colorado. Whereas Colorado, their last nine games, four against San Jose, four against yeah. Los Angeles, and then they have the one against yeah. Vegas as well. Their schedule a lot easier. But even with an easier schedule, if the Golden Knights win the night, they're six points clear with eight to play. Yeah. that You're you're not really blowing that. Because if you— well, if, if, if you're the Golden
0: not blowing Knights, it. But what if—Colorado would have to do what the Knights are doing right now, right? They'd have to like go 9-0 and or 10 And then maybe, but— they're probably not going to do that, and like you said, I don't think the Golden Knights are going to lose enough for that.
2: Yeah. So like over in eight games, like if 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 the or excuse me, if the Golden Knights go six two and zero, Colorado would have to win all nine games to make up and match that six point gap, all nine to end the season. So if you know if Vegas goes five three and zero, Colorado needs to win uh, eight of their last nine. So that, that's not. I don't really see either. I don't see Vegas finishing worse than five and three to finish the season. And Colorado, like needing to go eight, one, and zero to end the season, yeah. like that's like even though they're good, even though they're playing bad teams, they're gonna play I think they actually play San Jose eight or four times in a row. Like it's four yeah. straight games. So they're not gonna win eating, all four. They're not gonna win. Right. All four. So to me, like Golden Knights win tonight, so all they have to do is not be terrible and they're gonna mm-hmm. win the division. So yeah. I think even though it's not full strength, and even though we're gonna look at this and say, well. It's not really a good indicator of what they'd look like if they played in the playoffs. It is a game that can decide the division because all of a sudden you're up by six points and there's not many games left. Whereas on the flip side, if you lose, now you only have a two-point lead on Colorado. Now it's in play and, if they lose tonight. Yeah, yeah, and Colorado has a game in hand, so you, could, yeah. you know, effectively say they're tied. And now it's just whoever has the best record down the stretch wins the West. And now, yeah, so... It's a big game as far as the standings go. I don't know if it's a big game as far as trying to no. understand how they would match up in the playoffs.
0: No, it only means anything in the standings tonight. And again, I they I think they're minus one forty. I mean, look, uh, it's I, I I'll go back to it. I think the goalie is the most important part tonight. it's good, you know. The obviously the Knights are missing forwards, but it's just different when he's not. I mean, you know, we talked to uh, Mike yesterday who covers a team. He's playing at the best he's ever played. You know, he's one of the best goalies in the league, and not having him. Especially on the road is gonna be big for them. So you're right. It's all about the standings. And I think that's why the Knights, as well as they played, know how big tonight is, even if they're, you know, they're up they're up now in the division. So um I I hope they look, I just hope they play in the second round. I hope everyone's healthy. I hope all the goalies are healthy and I want them to play. Cause over seven games, if everyone's healthy, I think the answer will find the question will finally be answered like who's the best team? Like, right. that's the only way we're really going to know if everyone's healthy and they meet in the second round of the playoffs, and then we'll know who the best team is. Well,
2: it's hockey, so nobody will be healthy, but yeah, hopefully <laughs> close, close to healthy. I, I am a little disappointed with the Golden Knights injuries because what it means for the lineup tonight, assuming Riley Smith does play, he skated with the second line yesterday, it, it means we don't get to see Matthias Janmark play on that second line again, and... The reason is because the Golden Knights don't have any centers. They, they don't have any centers left on this team because Nick Wah and Tomasz Nosik are hurt and Cody Glass is in the AHL. Apparently, still because of salary cap reasons, he can't come up. Matthias Janmark is probably going to be the third line center tonight. Like, the, that's their number three center. And Keegan Kolasar might end up being the fourth line center. Like, their third and fourth centers tonight are guys that are primarily wingers moving over right. to play center. So you can't really afford to put Janmark on the second line as a winger because then you wouldn't have a third-line center right. if you did that. So, like, they've run out of centers. Now, again, Noshik and Nikwa should be back fairly soon, so it's not like they're going to be like this the rest of the season. But they've run out of centers to where Matthias Janmark is, the guy they just traded for, is all of a sudden the third-best center on the team. Yeah, he's – I mean
0: – I think that it's not going to be an issue when the playoffs come, but it is interesting because we talked about this yesterday. When all is said and done and they're okay, what would you have done with Riley Smith compared to Mark in the second line? Uh, now, you just pointed out why Mark has to be on the third line because they need a center. But the way Smith was playing before he got hurt or before he went down and the way I thought Mark, like I said yesterday, looked a lot better than even I thought he would coming, on the, coming at the move. I don't know. I mean, if they keep winning, it won't matter, and they'll just keep they'll keep Riley Smith with Marshon and Carlson just because it's always been that way. But if he comes back and continues to struggle, and some of these centers come back, I don't think we'll be surprised, will we, when the playoffs? If if Janmark's up in the second line, I, I don't know if I'd be shocked at that.
2: Yeah, I see, and that's why, like tonight, I'm a little disappointed because we won't get to see it. But I, I won't thought, see like, that. You have you have two games left with Colorado and two games left with Minnesota, and so you have two games left against legitimate teams. It would have been interesting to see Matthias Janmark on that Marchessault so and Carlson line against Minnesota and against Colorado because it's right. it's one thing to look like a good line when you're playing San Jose or Anaheim, but it's a completely different thing to do it against Minnesota and Colorado, the two teams right. you might have to go through to get out of this division. So to to kind of they're they're missing that opportunity to see what they have with the Janmark on the second line, but it's because of the injury. So I'm disappointed. Hopefully. Sure. By the time they play Minnesota, they got to play two in Minnesota, and by the time they play Colorado again, hopefully their centers are back healthy and Pete DeBoer can give that experiment a shot. He can right. give it a look and see, hey, what does Matthias Janmark look like against a good team on the second line? That's what I'm hoping to see because once you get to the playoffs, if if Janmark doesn't work on the second line, all right, you just throw Riley Smith back there. It's not like Carlson Smith and Marcia so need – Time to gel together. They've been gelling together for four seasons now, so that's that's like an experiment. I wish we could see from Devore, but it, his hands basically forced tonight, well, where he doesn't have he doesn't have any centers on the damn
0: team. But if he if they win tonight, and I'm completely with you that the division's probably over. Heck, he can do a lot of things. Right, those last eight games. I mean, you don't want to let it get away from you like that, and then start and really you know start losing games if you think Colorado could go on a run, but. For the playoffs, I would think he could mix and match a lot over the eight games to make sure, you know, going in, he's got who he thinks is the best the best lineup to, to win in the playoffs. I mean, I would think he could do a lot of things. And, again, it's going to be on who's healthy. And well, let me ask you this. I mean, we talked about Reeves, and I think, you know, we agreed that if he comes back, he'd probably be back in that fourth line. I mean, how long is it going to take to where, you know, how many games should he have to be back to where you would put him on to start the playoffs?
2: Like, no, well, when does he have to come him. back? They'll probably put him in as soon as he's back. <laughs> like he might not play the rest of the regular season, and they'll decide, yeah, let's put him in. He'll start the first playoff game. Like wow. that. I, I, that's that's what I assume they would do with Ryan Reeves. I mean, the the good thing about playing a player like Ryan Reeves is him being rusty doesn't matter. It's not like he's got a great shot that you're relying on him to score. He's just kind of out there to hit people. And that's probably one of the easier things to just jump in and do right away. So I don't think you're too worried about his rust fact. Hell, he might be better without practicing. He might actually, actually score a goal on accident if that was the case. All right, coming up next, Jason Fitz is going to join the show. Also, congratulations to Silas. He won the free haircut from Floyd's 99 Cuts in Color. Haircut, hot lather neck neck shave, shoulder massage, and a free massage shampoo. Silas won that. We'll have more to give away the rest of the week.
0: Aaron Rodgers is unimpressed with him, but we aren't. It's time for our weekly visit with the ESPN's Jason
2: Fitz. Jason, how are you today?
3: I am living the dream. It is draft week, and I am inappropriately (laughs) excited for this event. Every, you know, it has been pointed out by my co-host Sarah Spain many times that I shouldn't be inappropriately excited, given that every year my heart is ripped out (laughs) on draft week. But every year, I'm excited, and I think this is the year. I think a lot of fans feel this way this week. It's it's a week of hope for the NFL. I love it. Jeez. So fired up for you. Jeez.
2: You're what, 36 hours from being heartbroken (laughs) by the Raiders' first-round pick? Here's the
3: one thing. I I, I don't ask for much, you know, but if I could ask for anything this year, it would be just to not have a camera in my face while everybody's wondering if I'm going to say the F word. That's all I'm asking (laughs) for. Like, you know, I feel like every year it happens. And this year, you know, I've I've come to grips. I have a very good idea of where I think the Raiders are going to go in the first round of the draft and I've come to accept it and embrace it and i think it's going to be all good because i i'm a beacon of light like this is an eight and eight team and we're talking about them like they're four and 12 so you know i'm I'm gonna have a little positivity going into this weekend for right now you're excited about
1: the georgia tech punter
3: (laughs) well you know i'm I'm sure they could have traded down and gotten him later in the first round but still either way
2: (laughs) (laughs) so wait you said you say you have a pretty good idea what's your pretty good idea what do you think's happening with the raiders first round pick
3: Well, look, I think, as has been pointed out by a couple of the athletic guys really smartly, if you look at Mayock and Gruden, they're they're pretty transparent. They go for need. And it's year in and year out. They have a a specific set of needs when they come into the draft this year. We all know tackle is one need, and we all know that safety is a need. So what I think is going to happen here is pretty clear. There are only two safeties in this draft that you could even remotely say are plug-and-play that could have a chance at starting. There are a dozen linemen available. So in the first round with the 17th pick, they're going to take the, the best safety on their board, and that to me is probably going to be Trayvon Maring, the safety out of TCU, who, by the way, if you watch the 2019 tape, is absolutely stellar. He's a center fielder. He can play in this defense really well right away. There's a lot of things to like about him, and every pundit's going to say they should have traded down. But we forget that trading down takes two people to tango, and I'm not sure in this draft if people are going to want to trade down or not. So if the Raiders have to make a choice between getting a safety at 17, even too high, or not being able to address that position at all, which when you don't pick against the 48, I think is real. I think they're going to go safety, and I think people are going to question it. And frankly, I think it's dumb to question it if you understand the strategy.
0: Uh, We talked about earlier in the show. Tyler had somewhat of a strong opinion because he said it would be the worst pick in the history of the franchise. If it's 17, he's there, what would your response be if the pick was Micah Parsons?
3: I would be doing cartwheels in the streets. Why would you not want that? I mean, like literally, if Parsons falls to 17, the entire draft process is stale. I I, I mean, literally, go back and watch. And I was at the the Penn State game uh, a couple of years ago uh, in Penn State for game day, and there are certain guys that you remember when they're on the field because they're just bigger, faster, stronger than everybody else. Chase Young comes to mind, like I was standing next to Michael Jr., and Mike Jr. said a bunch of "Holy cow!" You know what? It, it just when Chase walks by, because he's at a different size of a human being. I'm not going to say Parsons is that, but Parsons is absolutely. I mean, he can destroy things. And so, at some point, no matter how much money's been spent at the linebacker position, I don't care. Like if you're if you're an offensive coordinator right now in the NFL and you're playing the Raiders, what you're saying we got a game plan for Max. We hopefully have a game plan for Yannick. Who else are you, like, scared of on that defense? And Parsons is a type of player. I think you grow into that. If he's available at 17 and the Raiders, don't take him. I think they're dumb.
2: <laughs> well, they won't, so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but uh, did you know before last week who Jared Jones-Smith was? <laughs> Do you know now? No.
3: No, who's Jared Jones-Smith?
2: <laughs> yes. okay awesome. spectacular so
1: do i need to go grab the mayock sound
2: no no it's okay i can explain it um mike
3: mayock oh, that's the kid that they signed that nobody had any idea about yeah. somebody they're really excited about yeah that you see how much attention that got in my brain like i mean there are some things that you get right now where you know like if you I, I don't have kids but i've been around a lot of kids and when you walk in and you know a child is lying to you and they can't even hide it you just sit there and roll your eyes. That's where I was with that Mayakwa. Like, I just rolled my eyes and said that.
2: <laughs> uh, did you roll your eyes the same way when Kyle Shanahan said he can't guarantee anyone will be alive on Sunday when asked if Jimmy Garoppolo will be on his roster on Sunday?
3: I mean, my God. Like, and I love that uh, Kittles responded and said, I'll call you on on Sunday, coach. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a moment here where let, let's not skirt around the issue. Although, I still think, by the way, the 49ers are going to keep Jimmy G this year. I think they're going to draft a quarterback and then just see how it plays out, pay the money to Jimmy G this year, set themselves up for the future. I I, I mean, 49ers have a good strategy. What I don't understand is why they feel the need now to be so coy. Like, we all know who the first two picks are going to be likely. So, at the third pick, you don't have to tell me who you're taking, but you don't have to play it like it's, like, you know, some sort of Russian spy game or something. Like, just, you know, be confident in who you're going to take and tell us you don't want to tell us your strategy. But this coyness is, is, really strange for me from San Francisco. It's like they're trying to make it look like they did something really cool in trading up when they just got to realize that, to me, if that pick is Mac Jones, we're going to question it for a very, very long time. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But, you know, I, I still think Justin Fields is quietly on all these boards and we're just not talking about it. Uh,
0: I, I There's no way he slips this much, but Chris Sims had him out of the first round, which I I mean, whatever, that, that was his draft board. But have That's you ever seen I – mean, when's the last time you, mentioned, you saw a guy like Fields who – is so all over the mark, and the epilepsy thing comes in, although people say that's not a big deal, we didn't know about it at Ohio State. So where ultimately do you think Justin Fields goes?
3: Top five. And I think that it's one of the biggest lies of the draft right now. And I had my mind changed yesterday. I was talking to Ian Fitzsimmons, uh, and Ian is one of the most connected people I know at ESPN when it comes to talking to organizations. And he said he talked to a GM yesterday and said, why is Fields falling? And the GM looked at him, or the GM said to him on the phone, "Uh, what boards have you seen? And it was like, well, it's just a conversation. And the GMs like, never believed the conversation. He said it was a non-quarterback needy team, but he said that clearly Justin Fields was number two on his board, and he still believes that Justin Fields is number two on many boards across the landscape. I think we have made much ado about nothing with Justin Fields, and he's still going to go in the top five. If there's one that I think could slip, I still believe it's Trey Lance. But uh, realistically, I-, I wouldn't be surprised to see all of these quarterbacks that we're talking about go in the top ten. Wow. Wow.
2: Um, we talked to your co-host, Sarah Spain, yesterday, um, and she let I'm us sorry. know. You, you... I mean, that actually like,
3: did you have a drink afterwards? Like, I've got to be brutal <laughs> hanging out with Sarah. I mean, just, I don't, I don't well, never mind. I'm, I'm kidding. So, I'm kidding. I love her. You know that.
2: She, uh, when, when we asked about you, she said the worst thing about you was your food takes, and she gave us a new one that I don't think you've shared with us. You don't like maple syrup on pancakes? I don't like maple syrup
3: on anything. Maple syrup is just a non-necessary thing. Like, yeah, it's just, it's not. Good. And then this is where somebody's gonna tweet me and be like, "Well, you haven't had real Vermont maple syrup." Let me just a little context here. When I left Vegas as a kid, we moved to Maine. So yes, I have had Vermont maple syrup. I've had all of these fancy maple syrups. They're not good. Like pancakes are delicious by themselves. I don't need something that's gonna make it stalky. Like I don't need something that's gonna make it sticky and just sort of like a clump of grossness. Like I, I want a pancake. It's fluffy with a little bit of butter on it, maybe a little bit of peanut butter. You could, like, get fancy if you want to put some whipped cream on it, but, like, I'll eat a dry pancake before I'll eat a pancake with maple syrup on it. Get oh. well, off. I don't know what
0: to, I don't know I, what to I do I had with waffles that. last night. When, I had waffles and went with the organic syrup.
3: <laughs> yeah, I had a dry half waffle this morning. Like, that was that was part of my Jeez. breakfast dry. Dry half waffle. I don't need syrup on that. Like, it, syrup is just an unnecessary ingredient. It's like everybody that says they love sushi. When what they need to do is accept at some point that they just love wasabi and soy sauce because they put so much of it on their sushi. That's where we are. Like, just stop saying you like waffles. You just you know drink the maple syrup out of the out of the bag. Like, it's the only way to do. It.
2: So you don't. I, I'm assuming by that comment, you don't like sushi either.
3: I love sushi. It's one of my favorite. Oh, foods. I just okay. that, like. I feel like a lot of people. <laughs> I turn around and they're like, oh, let's get sushi. And then they get, like, especially live in the South for a minute. Like, we took one of the healthiest foods in the world, right? <laughs> you know, a little bit of rice vinegar and then some fish on it. And they were like, what if we deep fry it and then cover it in mayo? Like, we spicy. <laughs> so like, anybody that has a spicy anything roll, understand that is like hot sauce and mayo combined. So you have now deep fried and put mayo on raw fish. Like, what's the point? Go to, like, go to Uncle Bud's and get you some, like, catfish chicken and such.
0: How's
3: the how's – because the, the you go to different
0: regions of the country. How's the sushi back where you live?
3: Okay, so I did have my mind blown, uh, and I will have to give credit. I think it might have been Kyle Long that tweeted this. Like, I am somebody that traveled for a long time and was always risk-averse to airport sushi. Uh, there was a tweet a few years ago that was like, why do you hate airport sushi without realizing that sushi's flown in everywhere so the precious place you could eat it? is in an airport, and I was like, oh my God, so I have my mind blown. Sushi in the South is like, a, sushi in the South is like a joke. Like, in Nashville, there's a thing yeah. called meat and three. That's what they always used to be, it was like, you go in, you order meat and three veggies, and sushi's become sort of that. Like, literally, you can go into sushi places in Nashville that don't have anything that hasn't been deep fried. So it's it's a weird, like, you gotta find, like, that one place where you realize that it may not be the cleanest, and you're not sure that they really care about most things we care about, you can't speak uh, you know, the language at all, but you can point on the menu and, you know, he's going to make you great sashimi. That's what I'm in on all the time. Wow.
2: <laughs> OK, the other part of talking to Sarah was her telling us she's not into country music at all and didn't really know who Jason Fitz was before meeting Jason Fitz, which is always my favorite stories from you is when people don't have any idea who you
3: are. No, not at all. But you know what, Sarah? I didn't know her either. Uh, No, that's a lie. I did. I can't. I can't even pretend. No, it's one of the things that happened. Like one of the, and you know, a lot of times, in fairness, what you hear people talk about is that country music guys are much different than pop guys, and I think it's because the journey is so different. Like I will never forget that we were playing an award show. We were playing, I think it was the American Music Awards, and uh, we had the number one song on country pop, adult. Like If I Die Young was at its peak. And we were going to be out in LA, and it's not uncommon when you're doing these award shows where you can call the company that makes your gear, like your keyboard company, and say, "Hey, I'm playing in LA, and I really need a keyboard. Can you send one there that I can use so that we don't have to ship one?" Right? Like it's a common thing. So at the time, I was playing this Korg piano, and and so I reached out to Korg, and they sent me an email back. They didn't call me. They sent me an email back and said. Thank you so much for your consideration of Chord but we're only looking for acts that are uh, with a national level of exposure right now. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> no worries, you know. So I called and I'm like, hey guys, like I'm playing this show and I get another automated email and they say we're only looking for acts with national exposure right now. So finally and I've never been this guy and I've never done it before in my life and I've never done it since but I finally emailed Chord back and I said, look, in the next 3 weeks we're going to be on the tonight show, the late show, American Music Awards, the Billboard Awards and, uh, and we were doing Dick Clark. And we have the number one song on four different charts. I no longer want you to send me a keyboard. I just want you to tell me what national recognition is, because obviously my goals were not appropriately aligned. And uh, <laughs> what do you know? Like two days later, they call and they're like, sorry, we got a keyboard for you in L.A. No problem. But, like, it's, it's a reminder that when you think you're on the top of the world in country music, you can play in front of 70,000 people one night, Houston Rodeo, and then two nights later, you're at a county fair, in front of 150 people that have never heard your music before. So it's a, I'm used to it. It's part of what I think, uh, you know, was really cool about that moment. And I wouldn't trade it for anything because once they find out, like once country fans find out who you are, man, they are loyal and loving and amazing. So, you know, I'll take that all day. I'll take the slow burn. Oh,
2: wow. Well. He is Jason Fitz from ESPN. Those are those are always our favorite stories, Jason, when people Absolutely. have no idea who you are and you have to either explain to them or just live with it. Uh, he is Jason Fitz. Listen. When I'm like, guys, I'm on
3: ESPN, I promise. I like, can't all the time. <laughs> I, I, will, I, will, I know you guys have a clock. i got to let you go. I will remind every single Raiders fan listening right now one thing. This is the craziest year you will ever watch in the draft. Because of the opt-outs and because of the lack of medical information, this is the craziest year. If there's ever been a year to not press send on hate for whoever gets drafted, wherever. Just take this year and appreciate that these kids are getting the opportunity of a lifetime. And it might work, and it might not work out. And guess what? We probably won't know the answer to that for at least two years. If we're all patient, we'll actually enjoy the draft process a lot more. And this year demands patience more than ever.
2: And then the Raiders draft Najee Harris at 17 overall. Thanks, Jason. And then i say an
3: F-word on ESPN and just start <laughs> drinking on live digital. That's what's happening.
0: Say what you want. Nobody listens to this show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there
2: you go. Oh, Jason Fitz. Always fun.
0: Okay. I doubt so, that's weird. I had the organic... I don't know about you. I had the organic syrup last night. I, I can't eat things dry. Like, I don't... I I, <laughs>
2: I could eat a dry pancake, but I I wouldn't choose to. Like, right. if there was syrup available, I'm going to eat yes. it with syrup.
1: This is, <laughs> the, this is the inverse of... Ed's saying that the uh that the 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 Barkley Ernie and Shaq like studio show is the best. This is the inverse. This is the worst thing. Like no one is on the on his side of the of, of this this argument. This isn't incorrect. Argument. Incorrect. Like,
2: right. oh my is incorrect. Incorrect. Mike Gramallah Mike Gramala is like absolutely. out of the
1: woodwork, just like we hear glass break, and Mike Gramala comes like wandering out, doing the Vince McMahon, just like I agree.
2: all right we need a new sharp 702-364-1100 is the number this is your chance to make some picks make a pick today on any of the games and you can start a streak uh we need to knock off ron who had eight in a row nobody's come close in a long time so you guys got to actually get some get some wins in a row here but here's your chance to be our sharp 702-364-1100 just come on make a pick for the day 702-364-1100
0: it's time to find the sharp, brought to you by PropSwap,
3: where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds.
2: All right, our new sharp is Michael. Michael, which game would you like to pick today? What's up, Mike? Oh, I'm going
3: with the Golden Knights.
2: Okay. Okay. Golden Knights against the Avalanche. All right, we got you. Just a, just a Golden Knights win. We will make we we're not we we have banned picking off like puck lines or anything like that. So, a Golden Knights <laughs> win over the Avalanche and you will be back tomorrow. Uh good luck, Michael. I think we will be talking to you tomorrow.
0: Thanks, Mike. Awesome. Thank you.
2: Thanks. All right. Um yeah, it's been a it's been a struggle for our sharps. They have missed three yeah. of the last four and that doesn't even include Jared's uh Padre Trifecta Parlay oh. that I I, but I don't think
1: ugh, I was so close on it too. You were close
2: <laughs> you actually were. <laughs> I was
1: like one run short. Yeah. okay Not two, technically
2: because you know baseball <laughs> So <laughs> wait just a few minutes here. but Mark Emrit got an extension yesterday by the NCAA. Uh, they sent out a press release at 9 p.m. Eastern yesterday and Mark Emrit's extension was in the eighth paragraph yeah. of this press release like is there a less popular man in college sports than mark
0: emrit uh well at the administrative level no it's not even close he's probably i'd have to say he's uh the most unpopular president insane and and this is a rare group uh of all time he his compliance uh issues his you know inconsistency is in the ncaa's disciplinary actions how they look, uh, you know, off some programs and get the others. Still to this day, um, how they approach the FBI investigation into college basketball, um, everything down to you know the the pictures of the women's weight room compared to the men in the bubble of the NCAA tournament. And people say, well, he has people you know leading those charges, not on him. Well, you're in charge. It's like you know mm-hmm. the college football coach who once told me, you know, it's a Friday night, I've got a hundred kids out. I'm a little worried, and it comes back on me no matter what. Well, that's Mark Emory. Everything should come back on him. You're in charge. So it was hilarious the way – I mean, usually when you extend a guy through 2025 in an organization as large as the NCA, that would garner a headline. Like, you would send out a statement on that. You would yeah. send out a release. Instead, if, if I don't get to the ninth graph, I don't even know this guy still has a job.
2: Like, that, like that's the – that's the part that makes you know it's a bad extension yes. when the people and they announcing know yeah. the people announcing the extension don't want anybody else to see yeah. it. Like that's how you know it's a bad extension. It's I don't know it's it's bizarre to me and I know um Nicole Auerbach from the Athletic wrote a story about how the NCAA is stagnation by design. That they don't want to change. They don't want to go forward with anything. So why would you hire somebody new? Just keep the same guy and keep trying to continue the same fight you've been fighting to try to keep college sports exactly as it is.
0: I mean, look who makes the decisions, the presidents. Look who keep their jobs forever, the presidents. Yeah. It's the NCAA's so. version of Major League Baseball umpires. If you're breathing, you have a job. <laughs> I mean, it's a, you know, you, you never lose jobs in, the, in this world. So the, the hilarious thing was that in the ninth graph, the thing that no one was surprised at, it was a unanimous decision. Like, no one even voted against the guys. Like, yeah, just let's keep them. I mean, it's hilarious how long guys keep jobs that are completely incompetent uh, in this realm. So, through 2025, Mark Emmerich.
2: I'm surprised you haven't blamed Angel Hernandez for the Dodgers loss last night.
0: He did stink.